Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We'll receive God's tithe and your offering at the end of our service today. I want to go right into what the Lord would, would minister to us because this is a specific assignment for us to have understanding of the things of the Spirit. God doesn't want us lacking knowledge. He wants this to be the most natural thing for us, to flow with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that hovered over the face of the deep in the beginning, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He wants us to have such a natural interaction with Him that it's not strange, that it's not rare He wants it to be our daily interaction and our flowing. So supernatural things are not always spectacular, but they are spiritual. But your spirit, you're born of the spirit. We found that out this morning. We are born of the spirit. And because we are spiritual now in nature, the life of God, the spirit of God dwelling in us, this is our nature. And because this is our nature We have to interact more predominantly with, we have to live from that place more predominantly than we do in the natural. We have natural responsibilities, we have natural things, but we can do them in the spirit. The Bible tells us we can walk in the spirit. Now that doesn't mean walking around Speaking in tongues all the time, although I do speak in tongues a lot while I do natural things. I speak in tongues while I drive. I speak in tongues while I fold clothes. I speak in tongues while I make breakfast. I speak in tongues a lot just in the natural because I want to stay aware and I want to stay charged with the strength that he provides through that that baptism in the Holy Spirit. But I don't go up to people who don't know God and start speaking in tongues. That would be inappropriate. That would not help the gospel (laughs) be received by them. They would think that was weird because the natural man doesn't receive the things of God. A natural person doesn't understand. We found that out this morning as well. Jesus said that in order for you to see the kingdom, you must be born again. So people who are not born again aren't perceiving it. So they're just needing the good news that Jesus came because then they can receive Jesus as Lord and get life on their, uh, in their spirit. They can be born again and then they would be able to understand and see what you're talking about when we talk about a spiritual flow. But those of us who are born again need to move into the fullness of what God has for us. We don't want to just take a limited portion of what Jesus has made available and what God has designed and just live on the outskirts of the spiritual supply. Live on just enough. He wants us to be swimming in his provision. He wants us not to be be just at a portion up to the ankles, a portion up to the knees, or a portion to the waist. But the scripture talks about waters to swim in. And the Holy Spirit is always referred to in uh, the, the scripture as a symbol. The water is referring to the, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So let's just look at that for a moment. Let's look at John chapter 4 and compare it to John chapter 7. Both are teachings that Jesus brought. John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And he says to her in verse 14, Whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him 
a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A well. Praise God. A well is a constant supply. A well is always available to us, right? A well inside of you. That you have the life of God, this well of everlasting life, and he's talking about the indwelling of the Spirit of God, which we taught a lot this morning. If you were not able to be in this morning's session, go back and watch the YouTube or get at the podcast and listen because we covered a lot of ground about how the Spirit of God lives in us and His assignment in us. Amen? But this well of water is referring to the fact that the Spirit of God lives with us constantly. He dwells in our heart. John chapter 7 speaks of a different flow of water, not an individual well, but instead a flow of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 7, let's begin in verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, if you... Uh, understand what was taking place in this ceremony. It was during a time that people had come for the purpose of celebrating the feast and celebrating specific uh, um, traditions that they did on a regular basis. And one of these traditions is that they would take water in a ceremony from the spring of Gihon and they would bring it in the ceremony, walking through the crowd, and they would bring it and they would pour it out in a remembrance of how David, when they brought him the water from the well of Bethlehem, his mighty men had broken through and, and, and fought to be able to get him a cup of water. And David said, this is so much honor, I can't even drink it, I'm going to offer it to the Lord. And he poured it out as an offering unto the Lord. And this ceremony was taking place during this great day of the feast, or this would be the, the big day of the feast, the most, the pinnacle day, if you will. And they're having this ceremony, and Jesus steps out of the crowd. He's not on the schedule to speak. He steps out of the crowd, and he said, I am the water. He said, so he's saying, if, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water is not the same as a well that is springing up. The purpose of a well is for individual lives. The purpose of a river affects communities. It affects the, the multitudes. The Mississippi River runs throughout the country. And many different people have their livelihoods through the Mississippi River. Many different people are around the Mississippi River, for instance. So a river has a greater effectiveness, not just an individual effectiveness, but we need both. We need what the well supplies and we need what the river supplies. And so verse 39 brings a greater clarity. It says, this he spoke of the Spirit. This he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, was not yet given. Why? Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, the receiving of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. Every believer has the Holy Spirit because they're born again and the Spirit of God lives in them. But that's not all of the Holy Spirit that a believer is, is supposed to or limited to receive. That is not the fullness of the Spirit. That is the indwelling of the Spirit, the well of water. What is produced by the Spirit living in us? The fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 is the, is the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go look at it. 
Galatians 5 is what results because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And you could say that the fruit of the Spirit is that which is produced by the Spirit or in the Spirit of man. Now, I know that in Galatians it is capitalized when it says the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. In the original language, you had to figure out by the context of the verse whether or not it wasn't capitalized in the original. And one point that, that I want to make is the Holy Spirit is not the branch that is bearing fruit. He is the power supply in the branch, but we are the branches. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. Where does the fruit grow? On the branch. So this is the fruit of our spirit, but we can't have this fruit without the Holy Spirit. So I'm not telling you to take the capital S off that word, but I'm telling you to put you in there with him because the way that we are designed, we, we are spiritually alive by his spirit. So this fruit is going to be on us spiritually, but it's because he dwells in us. So this, there's that unity with the Spirit of God, that unity of Him dwelling in us, and He is providing the, the, the sap, if you will, the life force that is coming from the vine to the branch. The Holy Spirit is the one bringing that life of God into us, allowing us to be able to produce love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of these are spiritual. Not just, these are not emotional. These are spiritual fruit, and all of them are God's character. You could look at each one of these, and you could, we know God is love. Amen? Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The peace that passes all understanding that guards our heart and our mind. This long suffering is a, is a patience. Hallelujah. All of these are characteristics of God's nature. And so, you know, an apple is the nature of an apple tree. You know that's an apple tree. Why? There are apples on it. You could look at it and say, that is an orange tree. It is not. Why? Because I can't get oranges off the branches. The way I know what, it, what kind of tree it is, if I'm not uh, you know, familiar with the branches or when I planted it, the way I know is by what kind of fruit it's bearing. Amen? Amen. So this fruit, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. These aren't necessarily all, we look at them and we divide them and separate them for the purpose of studying them, but this is what is produced because you have the well of everlasting life, the Spirit of God dwelling in you, and He is producing in you the character of God. And so if God comes and checks your tree, you've got God character growing on your tree. How can I know? Because of your fruit. We'll know them by their fruit, right? And what's that one fruit that the New Testament emphasizes? We'll know them by the way they love each other. And so the fruit is indicating I am a God tree. I am a tree planted by God. Amen? This is what is the John 4 result. The well of water from John 4 is going to produce the fruit of the Spirit, the, the character of God developed in me from Galatians 5. So John 7, what is John 7? These rivers of water, what is John 7? If I, if I believe on Him and I receive the Holy Spirit, this rivers of living water, what is going to be the result of that flow of the Holy Spirit in my life? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now wait, before you leave Galatians, before you leave, let's count. Let's count because it is not by chance or coincidence. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Nine. 
nine characteristics. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Every man would be limited to brethren, believers, because the chapter begins with, now concerning spiritual brethren, talking to the brethren, concerning spiritual things, brethren, I would not have you lacking knowledge. So this every man is talking to believers. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every believer to profit with all. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith, and that's wonder-working faith or special faith, by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another interpretation of tongues. Nine manifestations of the Spirit as a result of the rivers. Nine manifestations of the Spirit as a result of the rivers of living water. Praise God. So... He desires for us to have all that the Spirit of God has made available. All that is in this relationship with the Spirit of God. Not just a part, not just what we feel comfortable with in the beginning. Now, it, the Holy Spirit is never going to make you feel uncomfortable. He, he doesn't possess us like a demon possession or something like that. He is called alongside us to help. The flow of the Spirit is to profit with all. The manifestations of the Spirit bring profit. They bring profit into our lives, and we saw this is for ministry. So you could say that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's for me in my victory to walk out the plan of God in my life. He, he'll show me things to come. He'll teach me. He'll guide me into all truth. He'll take what belongs to Jesus and reveal it to me. He'll rehearse with me what God has said. Amen. All of those things that we talked about this morning, those are for our benefit personally to help us individually reach the goal that God has for us and to, to walk in this life this spiritual life with the spiritual equipment that he designed and the Holy Spirit teaches us how to use that spiritual equipment. But then there is a, a, a purpose that each one of us have in the body. There is a calling that each one of us have an invitation to. Not everybody accepts the invitation, but, but we are the calling. Many are called. Many are called, and the calling comes as we mature in the things of God, and we move beyond just, you know, you, one of the things that marks the maturity of a, a person is when they move out of that childhood stage of me, 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 my, my, my. I want what I want when I want it, right? And they move over into that place of responsibility where we are taking care of our family, putting our family's needs before how we feel that day, Right? That maturity is also true in the believer. That as we grow and we mature, we move past that, that stage where it's all about me. And we begin to see that God's doing something in this earth and I can be a part of it. He needs me to take my place and to be a stable influence in his kingdom and represent him in his work. Praise God. And so... When we begin to see that need, then we'll say, I need some supply to do that with. <laughs> I need not just the wisdom and the teaching, but I need the empowerment. Yes. And that's what God it, it designed for us. We are not supposed to be able to do his work without him. He didn't want you to come do all of his work. He just wants you to be a co-laborer together with him. He'll bring all of the heavy lifting to it. He'll bring all of the supernatural supply. If you'll just bring your willingness and you'll bring your faith, 
He'll, he'll put his anointing on you. Amen. When it says that he, we would be strengthened by his spirit with might, that's a supernatural strength. Strengthened in our spirit with a supernatural supply. I mean, the anointing came on David, and David fought, fought a lion and a bear. And, 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 and that was the anointing. It was the anointing on him that gave him the victory over the lion and the victory over the bear. And then when Goliath stood up and that anointing came on him again, he recognized what he was supposed to do. God has anointed me to be able to deal with that. And he confronted that, and then he confronted whole armies of Philistines. And he, he defeated and had great victories because of the anointing. And not just David, but those men who came and joined themselves to David in the cave, Abdullam. And it says, as they helped him in the plan of God for him to become the king, that they became mighty men. They weren't mighty men. That might was a supernatural might. It was the anointing of God. And so the anointing of God comes to our lives by the Spirit of God. You can't have anointing without the Holy Spirit. He is the, the bringer of the anointing. He is the, app, the applier of the anointing. It's his power. Jesus did not perform a miracle until after the Holy Spirit came upon him. Jesus, there were no miracles when he was 12. He had great wisdom. He was growing in favor with God. He was spiritually alive. But the anointing came upon him when the Holy Spirit came upon him. God sent John the Baptist to baptize. And he said to John the Baptist, when you see the Spirit of God descend and remain, you'll know that's the Christ. And John the Baptist stood up and testified I want everybody to know the one who sent me to baptize told me what to look for. He said, when I see the Holy Spirit descending and remaining, that he is the one that God has sent to be the Messiah. And I declare to you today that Jesus, that's what he said after Jesus was baptized in the river and the clouds, it wasn't just the clouds rolling up, it says the heavens were opened. One translation or the, the Hebrew or the original Greek says the heavens were rent. God sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. And the first miracle was the turning of water into wine at the city of, at the, the wedding of Cana. It says that was the beginning of miracles. There were no miracles performed. The Bible says that was the beginning, and it occurred after the miracle worker came upon him. And he, everything Jesus did in his earthly ministry was an example for us. It was the model for us to follow. We have a model to follow. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and he went about doing good. Is that what... Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Notice it brings his earthly title, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed a man. We know he was the son of God, but he wasn't operating as the son of God. He said, I've come as the son of man. I am legally here as a man. And when that points to Jesus of Nazareth, like it would say Paul or Saul of Tarsus, to let you know which Saul we're talking about, which Paul we're talking about, which Peter we're talking about, which person we're talking about. God anointed Jesus who went up with the Holy Ghost and power. So the power, that dunamis, that supernatural miracle working power wasn't because Jesus was the Son of God. He was, but that's not why the the. the the power came. The power came because God anointed him. And that's what Jesus went preaching. Luke chapter 4, his first sermon. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And everybody who believed that God anointed Jesus could receive from him. But he went into his own hometown right after raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. 
I mean, miracle working power. He is at, he is at a flow of the spirit of God in his ministry. Jairus, he was walking by and, and, and that woman who had the issue of blood reached out and touched him and power, dunamis, miracle working power came out of him and went into her and made her whole. And he said, your faith has made you whole. But it was the power on him and in him by the Holy Spirit. He walked into Jairus' house, raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and the next day or the next town he goes into is his own hometown, and he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. Because what they said was, isn't that Mary's son? Isn't that the carpenter? Didn't he make my kitchen table? I think he fixed my barn roof. He can't be anointed. He's a man. He can't be anointed. We know him. We're familiar with him. And because they couldn't believe that God had anointed him, they couldn't receive any of the power of that anointing. When the Lord called Brother Hagen into the healing ministry, he didn't want it. He said, Lord, please pick somebody else. Because there was such a, 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 a negative thing for people about God healing. And um, he yielded to that call. But Jesus put his fingers in the palms of his hand and put anointing in his hands. For a healing anointing, not just the prayer of faith that saves the sick, not just laying hands on the sick and they recover, there are operations of healings. He gave him a healing anointing for ministry, for a healing ministry. And he said, you tell people that I appeared to you and I put my, the, the, my fingers in the palms of your hands. And you tell them that before you pray for them. He, he said the same thing to Brother Caps. He didn't appear to Brother Caps, but Brother Caps was in prayer one day. And he said... Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him and uh, the Lord, he said, I felt the, the power of God in my hands. And the Lord said, I'm imparting into your hands a healing ministry. And whenever you get ready to pray for people, you tell people I've anointed your hands for healing. Why did they have to tell it? Because people needed to believe that God anointed them for that purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Cap said a woman came to him and said, now listen, I've been prayed for by Oral Roberts. I've been prayed for by, by uh, Brother Branham. I've been prayed for by Lillian or by Lillian Yeomans or maybe uh, she was naming off all of the healing ministers of that day that she had been prayed for. And she said, they couldn't do it. I'm going to see if you can do it. He said, if you think I'm going to heal you, you're missing it. But I'm telling you, if you'll put your faith in the anointing of God on me, you'll get healed tonight. And it, it, it shifted her focus. And so she came back that night. And she put her faith in the anointing of God and got healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And isn't that what the woman with the issue was doing? She was saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Isn't that what they were doing when they brought people in the book of Acts? and set them by the roadside just so Peter would walk past them. And he was, he was in the proximity, it said, so that his shadow would touch them. He, was in a, he had an anointing operating upon his life that if you can get in the proximity of my shadow, that anointing will touch you. And they were healed as he walked by as a, a carrier. of. The, it wasn't Peter. It was the anointing of God, the power of God on Peter. It was the anointing. The, 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 the Holy Spirit is the miracle worker. He wants us to cooperate with him so that he can touch lives through us. He wants us to be vessels of his power and vessels of his anointing. Amen? Hallelujah. Just walking by within the vicinity. This was not Jesus. This was Peter. So if Peter can do it, Peter, who denied the Lord, Peter, who, who got out of the boat and then started to sing, Peter, right? We've all got hope. 
I'm glad that Peter, we got Peter's shortcomings in there because then we can realize we, there's hope for all of us. God can use us. Hallelujah. But it's his power. We need to begin to yield and position ourselves in faith so that his power can manifest in these situations. So what we see here is they're referred to in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 as manifestations of the Spirit. Let's go back and let's look at Jesus giving some instructions to his disciples before he ascended. Luke 24, and we're going to compare Luke 24, 49 to uh, Acts chapter 1. Luke 24, 49, let's look at it first. Now, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Upon. Circle that. Mark that. I send the promise of my Father. The promise of the Father. I'm going to send the promise of the Father upon you. So he is referring to this interaction that we have with the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father. He's referring to the baptism in the Spirit. Now, can we just rehearse? I don't want to take the time to move to every one of them, but... Remember what the scripture identifies about Jesus being baptized in water and immediately following the Holy Spirit descended upon him. We may end up needing to look at one of those. Let's, let's, let's hold our place here and, and go over to Luke 3. And let's look at one of the instances here in Luke 3. Verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. This was not the clouds parting and the sun coming out like a Hollywood theatrical moment. The heavens opened. The atmosphere between heaven and earth opened. And the Holy Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit descended in a bodily shape. Stop right there. Don't read any further. And stop and see the Holy Spirit descended in a, in a bodily shape. The Holy Spirit descended upon him. I'll send the promise of my Father upon you. The Holy Spirit. Was Jesus alive spiritually at this moment? He was already alive. He had the Spirit of God dwelling in him the same way that we do in the new birth. He was alive unto God. His Spirit was alive. The Spirit of God had taught him. He was able to confound the religious leaders in the synagogue. Why? Because he was alive. The Spirit of God would show him from the Word and he would see himself in the Word and he would understand the Word. So Jesus had the Spirit of God in him like we do when we're born again, but now we see the Spirit of God descended upon him also. The Spirit of God descended in a bodily shape. Okay, prepositional phrase. Like a dove. Like a dove does not mean he is a dove. And I know in our, our greeting cards, Christian cards and and happy Easter cards and all those other things, we're going to see different images of a dove, and we know that that's representing the Holy Spirit, but I think it hurts people. I think it hurts people to think that the Holy Spirit is a dove and that because he is a person. He's the, sec he's the third person of the Godhead. He's a person. He's not a bird. Like a dove describes, if you were to say, that little girl can jump like a bunny rabbit. She's not a bunny rabbit. We're just describing how she jumps, right? Or that person can run like the wind. 
We're describing how they run. It hit, it, it hit them like lightning. We're describing how it hit them. It's a description. And it's a description that shows gentle, not forceful, not, you know, there's a difference between descending like a hawk. <laughs> a hawk is coming in for the kill. <laughs> Grabbing it, right? The Holy Spirit did not descend that way. So it's describing how he came upon Jesus. And when you know that, you'll recognize how he comes on you. He comes on us gently. And, and you'll just be singing, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just gently comes upon you. Like, that's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That it describes how he moves. We need to know that. And we see it a lot in Scripture. It, there was a time, and I think it's Acts chapter uh, 10, where uh, Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house, and he was telling them, and as he was preaching the gospel to them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They got saved and born, and they got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They got saved sitting there listening, and as they got saved sitting there listening and accepting Jesus as Lord, they got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. But notice, the Holy Spirit descended upon them as they heard the word. It's how he moves. That's how he moves in us. And so that's how he moves on us in this way. And so a lot of times people, before they want to respond to, to give a tongue or an interpretation, they want the Holy Spirit to shake them real good. Yeah, I, I need to know that's you. Come on, you got to, you got to shake me. <laughs> I got to, you got to move me. Well, he's not going to. He wants us to respond to him out of our heart, out of that faith in our heart, and to recognize that's the Holy Spirit coming upon me. I remember the first time I gave a word in tongues. And the Holy Spirit came upon me, and it was just right there. And it was so, it was, it was different in that I'd never had that desire to speak it out in that way, but I recognized him. I recognized this is the same one who comes to me when I'm praying. This is the same, I recognized his presence. And so when, when I, he would, he would come and kind of give me that prompting and then lift. And then he would, so good. He's so good to teach us how to respond. He'd come back again and give me that prompting to speak it out again. And then about that third time, I responded and just lifted my voice and spoke that word out. Hallelujah. And whoo, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for how he teaches us. But he didn't come and shake me. You know, there are, are some in, in certain Pentecostal uh, type denominations that think you can't speak in tongues unless you're in one of those services where you just shout your hair down and, and then, then that's the Holy Spirit. But that's not what we see in Scripture. Amen. And so he descended upon the Lord Jesus. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to descend upon him, and lead him, how much more do we? How much more do we need the, the full operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives? So it says that the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. So the Holy Spirit descended upon him. I want to give you two other references. We're not going to turn to them today, but I want you to have them in your notes. Mark 1.10 says the same thing, the Spirit descending upon him. And Matthew 3.16 uses the phrase, the Spirit of God descending and lighting upon him. All of them use the word upon, the Holy Spirit coming upon him. 
And after that, it specifically uh, denotes that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. And with the leading of the Spirit, he answered every temptation. Amen. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart as we are born again, but he also desires to come upon us. Go back to Luke 24. And let's continue in verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So I will send the promise of the Father, and when you receive him, you'll be endued with power. Well, endued is not a word that I use on a regular basis. I probably only use it when I read this verse. It means to be clothed with, to put on like a cloak. You will put on power like a coat when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the, the promise of the Father, he's going to clothe you with power. So the power... The miracle-working power of God is resident in the Holy Spirit, and he comes upon us to work miracles with us because we're the ones with authority on this planet. We are the righteous who have authority. Amen? So when we come into a situation and we begin calling for the will of God in that situation, the Holy Spirit has that opening to work miracles and to see the will of God done by because we are we are bringing we are co-laboring together with him as the righteous covenant people on this earth. He's bringing the power supply, we're bringing our obedience. We're bringing the right we're bringing the his right to interact in the situation. God has delegated the authority on this earth to mankind. Adam fell, and so all of the fallen people don't operate the authority that God designated the same way as righteous people. But when Jesus came, what set him apart, what, what gave Jesus the ability to speak to the wind and the waves was his righteous, he was a man who had the right to do that. John chapter 5, verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he given to the Son to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. That's not what it says, is it? It's in red. I mean, Jesus said this. He said, he has given me life. I have life in me like God has in him. But he's given me authority because I am a man on this earth. Because I'm white. Because God delegated authority to man. We read it from Genesis chapter 1 this morning. Behold, I give you dominion. You have dominion. You govern this planet. God hasn't taken that away. But he needed a righteous man. It worked for Adam because Adam was righteous before the fall. And so he was able to operate the authority the way he should have because of his standing with God and his authority on the earth. So when Jesus came alive unto God, no sin in him, he had the ability to command the wind and the waves and they had to obey him. And that's why pastor commands the snowstorms not to snow on Sunday around here. He said, this year has gotten all off track. He said, those people got to start bringing their faith to this. I got two different services I'm trying to cover here. Make sure we don't have snow on Sunday. Why? Because we are the righteous. If tornadoes, you better get out on your front porch and tell those tornadoes, not in my house. Not in my neighborhood. You go move on over. Not here. Speak to it. Why? Because you have authority here. 
Well, you have authority, and then he brings his anointing on your authority. And now we've got the operation of the design Jesus gave us the model for. God, he, Jesus had the authority, and then the anointing came on him. So now that's, that's our model. We are clothed with power by the Holy Spirit. We are clothed with power, endued with power, put on, put on power like a coat. Now let's compare it to Acts chapter 1. We're going to compare Luke 24, 49. He said, I will send you the promise of the Father, and you'll be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 and verse Let's begin in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. Wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The promise of the Father is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that he will put his spirit upon you. He, he puts his spirit in our heart, and he'll put his spirit upon us. So Jesus said, wait for the promise, and the promise is that you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost, and it's not going to be long. And then in verse 8, he said, you shall receive power. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. It is different from the word, for instance, when he said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's a different word. That word is exousia in the original language, and it means authority. I give you authority over all the dunamis of the enemy. He said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. In Luke chapter 10, 19, I think it is. Power over all the power of the enemy. I give you exousia over all the dunamis of the enemy. So dunamis is a word that means miraculous power or explosive power or dynamite power. The, the uh, Latin word for dynamite is similar to that. So it is an explosive power. So when he said in Luke that I give you authority, did the enemy, let's talk about the Egyptian magicians. When God's rod, Aaron threw down the rod of God, and it, the enemy said, and it turned into a snake, and the enemies, uh, the magicians, they threw down their sticks, their rods, and they turned into snakes, but God's, Rod ate them up because the power of God is greater. So is there some type of demonic power that the enemy has? Yeah, but I have authority over it. So if the enemy comes and tries to do any witchcraft or voodoo or, or curses or whatever like that, I, I have authority over that. And I can, I can, I can command it to stop. And the enemy can't do anything about it. He cannot continue operating any kind of demonic power if I have authorized it to stop. Because my authority trumps any ability he has. But that word dunamis is received here. It's, this is the dunamis of God. This is the might of God. This is the miracle working power of God. He said, you shall receive dunamis. After the Holy Ghost has come, what? Upon you. You'll receive miracle working power. If you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, one of the words to define this word power is you will receive the worker of miracles. You will receive the worker of miracles after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The worker of miracles. Resting upon me. It also means strength, power, or ability. Miraculous power. You will receive this as the Holy Ghost comes upon you. 
And this is what you're going to need to be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You need my power to witness the gospel. The gospel was never supposed to be preached without the demonstration of God's power. It was never supposed to be a, a gospel in word only. But the Spirit of God, it says that they went everywhere preaching the word and the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. The signs following was the Holy Spirit, the worker of miracles, demonstrating what they had preached, demonstrating the power of God. So Jesus tells them to tarry or wait until, he said, not, not many days from now, so there's no tarrying for you. You don't need to tarry. There's no scripture for you to tarry because he said not many days from now. He said, the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, I will send him not many days from now. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, that was the time that God had scheduled or had appointed. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon the Holy Spirit came upon each of them. And what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit did not speak. They spoke. They began to speak. The Holy Spirit gave them the supernatural utterance of what to say. But they moved their lips and they moved their tongue. They were filled with the Spirit of God. And the biblical evidence of being baptized in the Spirit of God or filled with the Spirit of God is speaking in other tongues. That is the Bible evidence that they have received. Let's look at an example. I mentioned it, but we're going to look at it a little bit closer in Acts chapter 10. He, Peter, is preaching in Cornelius' house. He has uh, shared with them the gospel, and it says in verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. He descended, he fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed. They had accompanied Peter to this meeting. This, the men of the circumcision, they did not believe that people who were not Jewish, who were not followers of their tradition, they did not believe that they could be saved until this moment. It says, they of the circumcision which believed, they were astonished. All of them that had come with Peter. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. This was evidence to them. This was an evidence to them. That they not only were saved. They were astonished. Because the Holy Spirit was poured out on these people. How did they know the Holy Spirit was poured out on these people? They heard them speak with tongues. And it was a witness that they had received. Hallelujah. Well, do I have to speak in tongues? If you want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, why wouldn't you want to? Well, I'll tell you why I didn't want to. <laughs> I was, it was weird to me. It was strange to me. It was something I was not accustomed to. I'd not been raised in church, 
And I, the churches that I had visited were nothing like that. <laughs> oh, what is that? It seemed very odd to me. But because I was so, I was so determined, I would not have any, I did not want to go back to the life I had lived before. And I wanted every help that God had for me. That when they began to tell me the help that the Holy Spirit, that, that when I would pray in tongues, they said, the Bible says here in Jude 20 that when you pray in tongues, you build up your most holy faith, praying in other tongues, that this strengthens you, that when you pray, to, pray in tongues, you're praying unto God, that, you are, uh, that it is a prophet to you. It is a help to you. I thought, well, if it's help, I need that help. And so I was willing to do something that was very um, different from anything I'd heard or been around before. I was willing if it would help me be strong in the Lord. I wanted the help of the Holy Spirit. I wanted my spirit to be strong so that I did not go back to the life I had lived before. And they, they showed me that scripture. And so that's why I said, okay, I'll, I'll receive the, the baptism. And when they laid hands on me to pray in tongues, I think I got a word. It was just like, and I wasn't very vocal about it. I was just, you know, you know, I was just very, because it was, I didn't even, listen, y'all, I was the party girl who would stand on the, the table in the bar and shout at the top of my lungs and sing and all those kind of crazy things. And they had to drag me out of the bar and kick me out. But here I am in church saying, I don't want to lift my hands. What are these people doing lifting their hands? Come on. Come on. Are, are you the same one that, you know, for you know, when Jose Cuervo had you on the bar table up there. And now here's the Spirit of God and you won't even lift your hands? I had an awakening. Okay, yeah. If I was going to be the... So I, I decided, okay, if I would do all that for the devil's camp, I'm just going to go all out for God. So if my pastor's wife danced, I danced too. I just thought, okay, I'm not going to watch all these other people. I, I, that's why I started sitting on the front row. I was a front row Christian from the beginning because there were some people sitting on farther, not that any of y'all in the back row are, but <laughs> in the church where I was, they would sit in back and they would just kind of, you know, they were reserved. I was, I'm going to be up front where they're dancing. And so I'd get up there and I would, if my pastor's wife, if she was dancing, I was dancing. Sister Jeannie. Amen. And so... Uh, when 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 the, I just began to respond because I thought she's the spiritual one. I'm going to do what she does, and I got help. I got help. But when when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I just had that word, and they said, you know, don't get in your head about it. Don't you when you get in your prayer time, begin to pray that word, and and more is going to come. And you know what? That was true. I got in, I was hungry for, I said, Holy Spirit, I don't understand all this. I can't explain all this. But if you have something for me, I want it. And so I just yield to pray in tongues. And, and I wouldn't, I would not, I would not trade what he brings to me for anything in the world. The help and the, the things that I have been praying about and then just the understanding would come. Because the Bible says when you pray in tongues, you pray the mysteries and you're praying the perfect will of God. And I couldn't do that in my head. Not even today. I couldn't pray the perfect will of God in my natural ability because I don't know the perfect will. But if I pray in the Spirit, He does. And he helps me pray. And he comes in and the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that he, he intercedes with me. He comes alongside and he gets a hold of that and helps me push it through in prayer. Hallelujah. So praying in tongues, this is a fullness of the Spirit that is for us 
and for our part of the ministry. A lot of praying in tongues helps us individually, but a lot of it helps us in the ministry, helps us mature. He helps us be strong, and we need the help he gives. We can't do this without him. We can't do this just in our own strength and our own power. We need the power the Holy Spirit brings to our life. And the more we yield our tongue to him, the more of a flow of that river we have in our home. The more of a flow of that river we have in our, our, our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When pastor years ago working at Blue Cross Blue Shield here in Kansas City, he had, by the favor of God, been given that job and then promoted more than once within the company. And in one of the promotions, they came to him and they were requiring a certain document to be done in a program that should have been like the, the college requirements for the position that he was in. And he didn't have those college requirements. But they were saying, we need this done by Monday, and we need it in this software, in this format. And he said, I've never even opened that software. It is something that most people go to college and learn how to work that program, and I don't even know how to make that spreadsheet in that program. And if anybody's ever tried to make a, let's say, an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're like, Google is my friend right now. And it's got the YouTube video that tells you, you know, how to, how to work that formula in that. He didn't have Google back then. But he had the Holy Spirit. And he said, Friday at his desk, he said, Holy Spirit, I don't know how to do this, but you know how to do this program. And so he said, I prayed in the Holy Spirit, and I made that document and had it turned in before I left Friday. And he said, my document they said it was a better it was a better report and a better document than the other people who did have college education the holy spirit helped him but that he would not have known how to do that if he hadn't been able to pray it out in tongues he prayed it out in tongues and it was brought into his understanding as he prayed it out hallelujah hallelujah we need the help of the Holy Spirit. There are some things in the growth of this church, in the days ahead as God brings in the harvest of the finances, the harvest of the souls, as God brings these things that are going to propel us into what he's taking us into, the more than enough land, the more than enough buildings, what he's taking us into, we need, we need a maturing in the body that causes people to step into their assignments and step into places in leadership because we, the leadership we have now won't work when we move into the more. We'll need people who have been with us, who know the heart of this ministry, to step up and take their places. We need them, we need you taking your place in the spirit, taking your place in prayer, taking your place in the plan of God. And praying in tongues is a preeminent part of that taking of your place. I'm just telling y'all what's coming. More is coming. More land, more buildings, more people. And if God's going to trust us with more people, we need to be trustworthy. And that trustworthiness is a spiritual maturity. I need to bring my A game to church. This is not about my attendance. This is about my participation. 
This is about me being a part of what God is doing in my local church. This is about me being a part by serving in my local church. This is about me being a part by praying for my local church. And praying in tongues, if all of us spent 10 minutes a day praying in tongues just for our church, if we said, Father, I'm going to pray for the progress of my church for the next 10 minutes and then just pray in tongues for the next 10 minutes, imagine what forward progress we could make. Hallelujah. Imagine what things that are the will of God that could be prayed out. Hallelujah. And your part. Father, I want to know what is my part in the days to come. What is my part as we move into more? What is my part? What role do you have for me to play? And what kind of maturity do I need to develop for me to be able to fulfill that role? Hallelujah. If you're faithful in the least, you'll be faithful in the much. But if you're not faithful here, you won't be faithful when we move into more. I didn't plan to say it. I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But still, this is where we develop the faithfulness. And, and, and hear me when I tell you, the harvest is upon us. The harvest is upon us. The harvest of people coming in to know Jesus, they're going to come in not knowing anything. We're going to have to teach them everything. We're going to have to make disciples. Amen? And we need faithfulness developed in spiritual things. And you can start by praying in the Spirit. Amen? Oh, praise the Lord.